Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'll tell you what. Little behind the scenes stuff here, folks. My producer of forever, really, Rich Cementa and I remember when I said that we should be sending the illegal aliens to the sanctuary cities and states. We're desperately trying to find where I said it, but we can't find it because we don't have the you know the, the a perfect system of finding this stuff. But this is something I've said and I've believed in a long time. I've gone well beyond this. I've talked about the fact that the blue states should be experiments for blue state ideas. You want illegal aliens? Then illegal aliens should be going into blue states. Um, You want socialism? Then socialism for blue states. You want Medicare for all, which means no private health care and effectively Medicaid and the VA for all. Well, then that's what should happen in blue states. No private health insurance. You want 70 to 90 percent tax rates for rich people? Then good. There ought to be 70 to 90 percent tax rates for rich people in blue states. You want free college? Good. Let the people in blue states pay for free college for the people in blue states. And on and on down the line. And let's see how these blue states fare as opposed to the red states. In other words, let's see how tyranny fares compared to liberty. Compared to liberty. This idea that illegal aliens should be encouraged or otherwise forced to go in the blue states or sanctuary cities, if you will, is a good idea. It's a great idea. And you know how I know it's a great idea? Because the media are going nuts and the Democrats are going nuts, as you would expect. What Nancy Pelosi says, Shep Smith says. What Shep Smith says, um, Jeffrey Tubin says. What Jeffrey Tubin says, down the line. So they're all freaked out. And I don't know why they're freaked out. You've heard it all day long. What's the problem? What's the problem? Illegal aliens should go into, should be populating sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, blue states generally. High taxes should be imposed on people in blue states by blue state governments, and they do. Free college should be paid for. For people in blue states, by people in blue states. In other words, let them experiment upon themselves. Why drag the rest of the country that wants to be free and competitive, that embraces capitalism, citizenship, national security, national sovereignty? Why should we be dragged into their hell? 
Now, we're also the ones that talked about nullification being a throwback to the Confederacy. You won't hear that on the news. When these cities and states are nullifying immigration law. They're taking up the precedent of the Confederacy. For a different purpose, of course, but that's not my point, is it? That's what they're doing. And the courts are supporting it. So they support secession if it is issue-based. If it is issue-based. Meanwhile, the great state of Arizona few years back, said, you know what, Obama's not enforcing federal immigration law, so we'll enforce federal immigration law. And they basically passed state statutes that mirror federal immigration law, pretty much. And the Supreme Court, by a 5-4 decision written by Anthony Kennedy, the majority, said, no, you can't do that. The president has plenary power when it comes to immigration. And yet, when it comes to the Obama judges, the Obama federal district judges, Mr. Chief Justice, Apparently, the president doesn't have plenary power when it comes to immigration. Only the left does, whether they're dressed up as judges or politicians or whatever they are, media types. But this is a very, very good exercise we're going through, thanks to the president. These politicians from these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, these politicians from these blue states, these media types who are politicians, they do not want the policies that they promote for all the rest of us to apply to them or their communities or their communities. They live in bubbles. They don't live among the public. Barack Obama doesn't live among the public that he claims to represent. None of them do or very few. And why do they run from their own propaganda? Why do they run from their own policies? Oh, it's illegal for the president to do what he suggested. Based, what what law are they talking about? What's illegal? Now, you would think that the mayors of these sanctuary cities will be all over the media today, not condemning the president, but encouraging him, embracing the idea Why do we have to wait for illegal immigrants to decide to go to sanctuary cities to escape federal law by going into these these nullification cities? Why not just encourage them to do it? Why not just help them to do it? Show them how to do it. Give them buses and tickets so they can go into these cities. Why not? Well, you notice who's squawking the most, Mr. Producer. White liberal politicians. Why are they squawking the most? Why are white liberal politicians squawking the most? I'll tell you why. Because they would lose their positions. They would be replaced based on ethnic voting for the most part. Because people do that a lot. Nancy Pelosi would be replaced. Stempy Hoyer would be replaced. Many of them. But I do think this is an important debate. And of course, they trash the president. You know, they're they're like parrots, these fools in the media. They're like parrots. They all sound the same. The same affectation. 
The same woe as me, the sky is falling, Trump, Larry goes again. I like it when Trump goes again. He's poking them in the eye. And if he can do this, he'll do it. The Democrats won't spend one penny, they said, for a wall. But president was fact-checked, we're told. There's no Democrats who say they support an open border. Now, how stupid is that? If you support policies that have the effect of creating a porous border, where 1.2 million people this year may well come into this country illegally, what do you call it? But they fact-checked the president, you see. Do they ever fact-check the left about Obamacare? Do they ever fact-check the left about their promises on tax raise, uh, uh, raising taxes? Do they ever fact-check the left on their foreign policy? Do they ever fact-check the left on anything? No. Very rarely. Very rarely. The President of the United States is saying what we're thinking. The media are more upset with what the President said than what Ilhan Omar said about 9-11. Or her anti-Semitism. Or Talib's anti-Semitism. Or Aach's anti-Semitism. They promote those three. The three stooges. Or stoogettes. They promote the three stoogettes. The president says, all right, look, we got these sanctuary cities. They want to protect illegal aliens in violation of federal law. We got these sanctuary states. And they're all Democrats. Okay, I have an idea. I have an idea. We'll send our illegal aliens who come across the border that we're trying to stop to those cities and states. Oh, what are you? That's illegal. You can't do it. All of a sudden, they're kryptonite. All of a sudden, these blue liberal sanctuary cities and states, all of a sudden, these nullification politicians don't want them. It's okay if they go into Arizona. It's okay. It's okay if they go into these red states and purple states and make them purple or blue. That's okay. That's the plan. We don't, we don't really want any more in the blue states. No, no, no. Then we white liberals, we may lose our positions. You, know, you understand? That's how Aach came into power in the first place. Right? She beat a guy who was, uh, who, who, who was, who was translucent. And a lieutenant to Pelosi, and Pelosi herself is translucent. And she was emphasizing her ethnicity. And he was Irish or Irish-German in a district that was changing ethnically. And he lost. And the media keeps reminding us of that. I even have another idea. I have another idea. Where are all the Latinxes on C-SPAN? If they're promoting this idea of really an open border, that's what it effectively is. If they're promoting this idea, why don't they show us how to do it? That is, why isn't Jake Tapper resigning and replaced with a Latinx? Or Wolf Blitzer? Or uh, what else is on there? Or Chris Cuomo? Or Don Lemon? The whole line of, uh, the whole conga line of freaks and frauds. How come they're not replaced? Well, that's the way the left works, ladies and gentlemen. They're the elites. They're the ones who think for us and tell us what to do and so forth. They're not going to replace themselves. What would we do without them? 
So kudos to the president. Kudos to those at the White House who were thinking about this. Keep thinking about these things this way. If the blue states want government-run health care, have it. If the blue states want to tax their rich people at the 70 to 90 percent marginal rate, do it. If the blue states want to tax their people to pay for free college, do it. If the blue states want to tax their people for family leave subsidies, do it. But we in the red states, we're not interested. Go ahead and destroy yourselves. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. I also think these blue states should institute their Green New Deal. I think they should convert every single watt of energy to something else. I think they should go ahead and do it in their states to their people and leave the rest of us alone. And you will see the difference. We will be effectively South Korea and they will be effectively North Korea. And you'll see what happens when a society begins to crumble. It becomes more and more of a police state. The government gets more and more powerful to try and keep the society under control. So everything doesn't break apart and it gets worse. One feeds on the other. The media that exists mostly in these blue states. Oh, yeah. The media that exists mostly in these blue states, particularly two of them, New York and California. They'll see what happens. They'll see what happens when when a meritopia is imposed on them. It's not a very pretty sight. But, you know, it's interesting, folks. My first book was on judicial tyranny. It's called Men in Black, How the Supreme Court is Destroying America. But it was broader than the Supreme Court. It was the federal judiciary. We have federal judges now who are not complying with the law. We have federal judges now who are undermining their role under our Constitution. We have federal judges who are eviscerating the Constitution. And other than a few of us, nobody's talking about it. Instead, we follow the the media, into their unreality and their insanity each and every day. We have a Mississippi U.S. District Court judge, Carlton Reeves. Carlton Reeves, appointed by Obama, I believe. 
And he was at the University of Virginia today. And uh, he likens the president's attack on the judiciary to the Klan, the Citizens Council. Now listen to this guy. Cut one, go. When politicians attack the courts, it's dangerous, political, and guilty of egregious overreach. You can hear the Klan's lawyers assailing officers of the court across the South. What, what the hell are you talking about? And you're a federal judge? You're an embarrassment. You may not be aware of this, Judge Jefferson strongly attacked the Supreme Court. Jefferson led the charge for the impeachment of a Supreme Court justice and was unsuccessful. Franklin Roosevelt attacked the court, tried to pack the court, and had five justices. As it turned out, over the course of his many, many years as president, he did pack the court. We have Democrats running for president who've announced that they want to pack the court. And this Mississippi federal district judge, Carlton Reeves, in his not-so-clever way, is attacking the president of the United States and comparing his criticism to that of the Klan. Now, this man should not be on the federal bench. But what these federal district judges know, and all the rest of them know now, when it comes to impeachment, unless they're committing criminal acts of the worst kind, they're not going to be removed. Go ahead. Chastise people for merely using the courts. You can hear the citizen council hammering up those names of those black petitioners there in Yazoo City. When the powerful accuse the courts of opening up our country to potential terrorists, you can hear the Southern Manifesto's office. Listen to this. Listen to this unhinged rant by this federal judge. I'm going to tell you something. If I ever had a case... And it somehow wound up in front of this judge. I would move to have my case moved to another judge. If the uh, district court refused to do that, I would take the case up with the Mississippi Bar Association. Go ahead. Smearing the judiciary for simply upholding the rights of black folk. When lawmakers say we should get rid of our judges. You can hear segregationist senators right who, who is saying we should get rid of our judges? And what do you mean segregate? This, this is incredibly irresponsible. It's unconscionable for a federal judge to conduct himself this way. He sounds like a an unhinged, insane cable host on CNN or MSNBC. I'm not done. I'll be right back. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. 
Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. Liberty's Voice. Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Have you even heard about this federal judge today? And let me tell you, he speaks for a, a significant portion of the federal judiciary. So politicized has it become. But you shouldn't be surprised. It's been going on for, for a long, long time. A long time. And I'm not done with this judge. He needs to be further exposed. He's it's 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 just outrageous. Let's pick up where we left off on this federal judge who was giving a speech at the University of Virginia today. Go ahead. And when the executive branch calls our courts and their work stupid, horrible, ridiculous, incompetent, a laughingstock, and a complete and total disgrace, you can hear the slurs and threats of executives like George Wallace echoing. George Wallace. How about Barack Obama at his State of the Union speech? Remember that, Mr. Producer? When he was talking down to the Supreme Court justices who were sitting right in front of him. And let me ask you something, Judge. Are not the courts sometimes stupid? Are not the courts sometimes bigoted? Are not the courts sometimes outright racist? Maybe you forgot about the Dred Scott decision. Maybe you forgot about Plessy versus Ferguson. Maybe you forgot about Korematsu. Maybe you forgot about Roe v. Wade. Maybe you forgot about a lot of decisions that the court has issued. Some great, some of no consequences, some horrific. Now what this judge doesn't understand and most of them don't, he's of flesh and blood, just like the rest of us. But he has a lifetime appointment, unlike the rest of us. He's secure forever, as long as he's alive on this planet. And the idea that one branch can't criticize another, but if you do, and you're Trump, and you criticize Obama judges, for nationalizing your immigration decisions and reversing them. Well, then you must be like the Klan. Then you must be like George Wallace. Then you must be like the authors of the Southern Manifesto. But I would remind this judge, Judge Carlton Reeves, that's his party. The Democrat Party. Those are his judges. That is the Democrat Party judges. The very first pick that Franklin Roosevelt made for the Supreme Court and associate justice was Hugo Black. A lawyer in Alabama for the Klan. He was confirmed in a few days. And when that issue was eventually raised with President Roosevelt, he said, oh, I didn't know. Well, of course he knew. Why did he pick Black? Because Hugo Black was doing his bidding. 
as chairman of a committee in the United States Senate that went after Western Union because they wanted to read the telegraphs, the information that was going back and forth between journalists and publishers and so forth. Did did you ever hear this story? When When you read my book, you'll know about it. That's how Hugo Black got on the Supreme Court. He was one of FDR's favorite hacks. First one that he picked. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't criticize the court. Only the New York Times can criticize the originalists on the court. Only the Democrats and the Senate Judiciary Committee can smear Kavanaugh. Not for his decisions, but as a human being. Only the Democrats can smear Clarence Thomas. And they do it all the time. But if you dare question what the courts are doing, judicial tyranny, judge, if you dare do that, the Mississippi U.S. District Judge Carlton Reeves is going to accuse you of some very vile things. And then he'll go back to his cloistered courtroom, put on his robe, and sit there as an objective judge. An objective judge, don't you know? Let's go to cut two, Mr. Producer. More of Judge Carlton Reeves. Go. This administration and a bare majority of the Senate walking arm in arm and not stumbling unaware towards a homogenous judiciary. Well, there you go. Now he's a little bit more specific. So the Republicans in the Senate and Trump are trying to institute a white judiciary. A homogenous judiciary. Where was this guy when George H.W. Bush nominated Clarence Thomas? Where was he? He was nowhere. Maybe he was in the opposition. What he means by homogenous, what the left always means by homogenous is we want more leftists on the courts, Congress, wherever it is. We want more leftists because when you have minorities who are conservatives or constitutionalists, they despise them. They despise them. Go ahead. Think of the slurs against Judge Curiel. Think of the nominations to the bench. Think of the slurs against Justice Clarence Thomas. Justice Samuel Alito. And other justices. Think of those slurs, Judge. Go ahead. Who called diversity code for relaxed standards. Who called trans Diversity could be code for relaxed standards, depending on what kind of diversity we're talking about. If it's diversity based on quotas, quotas have nothing to do with merit. If it's diversity of a different sort, it could have something to do with merit. You're supposed to be a judge. You're supposed to know the difference. Go ahead. Part of Satan's plan, who defend the KKK in online message boards, who led... Who's, who is defending the KKK on online... Me- this guy's a judge. I can't emphasize that enough. Go ahead. ...efforts for segregationists like Jesse Helms. Think of the pattern of judicial... Jesse Helms? 
led voter suppression efforts for segregationists like Jesse Helms. What's he talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about. But he's hitting every, you know, check he can. Got Jesse Helms in there. Got George Wallace in there. Got the Klan in there. Let's see, the Southern Manifesto authors got them in there and so forth. So you're not allowed to criticize, you see. Even in harsh terms, you're not allowed to criticize the court. Maybe he's not familiar with separation of powers. Maybe he's not familiar with the First Amendment. Go ahead. He's refusing to admit, like every generation of nominees before them, that Brown versus Board was correctly decided. No, actually, it wasn't correctly decided. I would go further than they did at Brown versus Board of Education. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of the Brown versus Board of Education was to reverse another Supreme Court decision called Plessy versus Ferguson. And I don't believe this judge is very well read on this subject because he would know that a lot of critics of the Brown versus Board decision like me criticize it because what the court should have done is embrace the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. They should have embraced the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Equal protection. But they didn't. They went into all these psychological studies and all these other behavioral studies and so forth and so on. It wasn't, in my view, correctly decided. It should have been more strongly decided on behalf of individual liberty and equal justice. Go ahead. That same Brown, which led to Alexander versus Holmes, which breathed justice into my segregated streets there in Yazoo City, as if equality was a mere political position. Nobody said equality is a mere political position. Nor did anybody say liberty is a mere political position. Go ahead. Friends, friends, students, let it be said that equal protection of the law is not a political position. It is enshrined in our Constitution. Yeah, well, we know that already. But thanks for the reminder. And you're a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. This was a hyperbolic, demagogic speech that the worst left-wing kook politician could have given. And you're supposed to be a judge. What about that, Chief Justice Roberts? You proud of this guy? Proud of his speech? What about it? Now the judiciary is going to go the way of MSNBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post? Is that what's going on? Why not? Why not? Every other institution has been devoured by the left. If I'm a litigator and I draw this judge in Mississippi, I use this speech, I use this speech to get another judge. Because he's political and he's a leftist. And he shouldn't be a judge, in my opinion. Not even because of the substance of what he said which is bad enough. Accusing people who disagree strongly with what the court has become and what these judges are doing of being Klansmen effectively or authors of the Southern Manifesto or like George Wallace or what have you. But because of the fact of a speech like this, he should not be on the bench. He cannot be an objective arbiter of facts and law. It's impossible.
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. You know, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Don't criticize the courts. And by that, they mean criticize the originalists, criticize their decisions, criticize Citizen United, Clarence Time, attack, attack, attack. Don't criticize an Obama judge, a Clinton judge, or a judge that's gone Obama or Clinton who was appointed by a Republican. The media. The media says we stand for a free press. We stand for a free press. But don't criticize us. Because then you're acting like a dictator. So if you criticize the activists on the court, you're acting like the Klan. If you criticize the media in this country, well, you're acting like Hitler. Now, my first book, Men in Black, criticized the judiciary. Oh, boy, did it. And it was a national bestseller, thanks to you. And it opened a lot of eyes. It was written in plain English about what the court had done in a number of areas. These people are judges. They're human beings. They're American citizens. They're imperfect. But they have an enormous amount of power. And more and more, they're abusing it. And so my latest book, if you want to circle back, Unfreedom of the Press, does exactly the same thing to the media. We cannot survive in this country without freedom of speech and a truly free press. And the greatest enemy today of a free press is the press itself. Individuals who happen to get appointed to this job or that job in the media as reporters, as broadcasters, as so-called journalists, take it upon themselves to tell you what freedom is all about, what justice is all about. Not to report the news, not to seek the objective truth, but to attack, to advance an agenda. And you see it every day. And they praise each other and they give each other awards. They have a very, very troubling past. When it has come to huge newsworthy issues of self-censorship and self-aggrandizement. They are very selective in what they want to report upon and expose from an ideological and social activism point of view. And they have done more than even the Democrat Party 
to try and reverse the results of a constitutionally legitimate election. And they want to see Donald Trump removed and defeated, whatever the cost. You have a media that has declared a verbal and political war against half the country. And yet, they represent 90 to 95% of journalism. It is important that we, the American people, we, the citizenry, understand what's taking place, why it's taking place, get our arms around it, and begin the journey of addressing it. That's why I've written on freedom of the press. On freedom of the press. It is very, very important that we together, all of us, Levinites, millions of us, spread the word to millions of others. And the weekend's here very shortly, and I want to strongly encourage you, before the book's release, to go ahead and order it on Amazon.com, on Freedom of the Press. It's there. It's 40% off, Amazon.com. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way, we have a very, very cool... Sunday night program on Life, Liberty, and Levin at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific with Mike Lindell. Mr. Pillow, my pillow. But we're not going to talk about pillows or any kind of bedding. He's a fascinating entrepreneur. He's a man of deep faith. And I learned an enormous amount about him. You know, he's ubiquitous. You see him all over the place. And he's, he's enormously successful, but it wasn't always that way. He was very much down and out. And so it's quite the Horatio Alger story. So I hope you'll be able to check it out. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, Sunday night, like so many of you do. And we appreciate it very, very much. Now, let me, let me, let me get a little deeper on this. Here's what I'm hoping. We are up against forces today that we have never been up against. These are, these are domestic forces that have as their purpose, as Obama so bluntly put it, to fundamentally transform America. They don't embrace capitalism. They've told us that. They don't embrace the Constitution. They just don't. Uh, They don't embrace the founding principles, and of course they'd all be repulsed, or pretend to be repulsed, by what I'm saying. We've had multiple efforts in my lifetime during my adulthood to try and address this. We had the Reagan, we had the Goldwater Revolution, we had the Reagan Revolution, we had the Tea Party movement, and the Trump movement. We come up against the same forces every time, the radical progressive forces, because they control the key institutions of our society. 
just like aliens. They've managed to control them, whether it's public education, universities and colleges, entertainment, Hollywood and TV. And of course, even the trajectory of our country, even when it comes to Republicans who don't want to get rid of Obamacare now and never move the country toward a direction of limited government, limited spending and constitutionalism. Spending today is higher than it's ever been. The Republicans could have controlled the uh, secure the border. They didn't. And we can go on and on. Now, I could get behind this microphone for the next 10 years and keep doing this. And we get nowhere. Nowhere. We can all do this in talk radio. But I didn't get into talk radio because I loved radio. I got into talk radio because I love my country. I don't write books because I like writing books. I like books because I love my country. I don't do my Fox show and Levin TV because I need my face to be on TV. I don't. I do it because I love my country. Now, what do I mean by that? It is my decision to do these things. I've been asked to do these things. I never asked to be on radio. I never asked to be a a Fox host. I never asked to do Levin TV. I never asked to write books. I was approached in each case. And as my family knows, and you're part of my family, you Levinites out there. As you all know, I've been committed to this country, to liberty, to the Constitution, And yes, capitalism, since I was a teenager, since I was a teenager, as have many of you. I know I reflect the lives of many of you, and that's a good thing. And we're losing the country. And I've got kids, and I've got grandkids, we do, as do many of you. And my wife and I are scared to death about what it's going to look like. Things are moving so fast in the wrong direction. And we have a president who's trying to deal with it. But we have to help. We're the citizenry. We have to help. It's not good enough to whine about things and it's not good enough to discuss things at a surface level we've got to figure out what the hell is going on and as citizens make individual decisions and collective decisions about what we're going to do maybe there's nothing we can do maybe it's over maybe there's something we can do but we have to create an interest among our fellow citizens, to at least pay attention, at least to be engaged. That's the purpose of this book on freedom of the press. It is my my hope that the same patriotic impulses that led to the Goldwater Revolution and the Reagan Revolution and the Tea Party movement and the Trump movement and revolution 
will lead to us focusing on what is our freedom of the press. Freedom of the press doesn't belong to a corporation. Freedom of the press doesn't belong to CNN or MSNBC or Fox or the New York Times or the Washington Post or any of the rest. Freedom of the press belongs to you. Belongs to you. The purpose of a free press isn't to promote Jim Acosta, isn't to to make some corporation wealthy or get good ratings. The purpose of a free press is to help undergird a vigorous and healthy and spirited society. Not to put us down, not to trash us, not to drag us into the abyss, not to represent one political party over another or one ideology over all others. And you know this instinctively. That's why you're fed up. That's why you're frustrated by all this. But we need to start this process. We need to start this process. You and I together years ago with men in black talking about the Supreme Court and the federal courts. We've awakened the whole country to this issue. We now have a president who is trying to put as many originalists on the court as possible. People who will follow the Constitution. Judge. Not an ideology. The Tea Party movement. For a significant period of time. Challenged the Republican Party. Caused fear in the Republican Party. Defeated Pelosi and the Democrats in the House of Representatives. And you're all still out there. From the Reagan Revolution, from the Tea Party movement, and of course, from the Trump Revolution and movement. And so what we need to do, since we don't control public education, since we don't control the universities and colleges, since we don't control the media and so forth and so on, we need to use our Constitution, our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our freedom of the press to communicate with each other about what's taking place, to try and figure out what to do about it from one corner of the country to the other, from one neighborhood and community in this country to another. There's tens of millions of us who share this concern. Tens of millions of us. We need to learn from our forefathers. We need to learn from the men who first brought printing presses into the colonies. We need to learn from the men who stood up to the authorities, who stood up to the mob. We need to learn from the men who printed newspapers, a relative handful, and printed pamphlets, and spread the word, Thomas Paine and many others, across the colonies. The word of liberty and tyranny, and who promotes which, so that we can begin talking about it again at our dinner tables. We can begin talking about it. They did at pubs and pubs and restaurants. We still have the freedom to do these things. We don't have to live our lives through the funnel of CNN or MSNBC, through the funnel of the New York Times or the Washington Post, or whomever. We're our own funnel. 
And that is the process I want to begin in a significant way, in a nationwide way. As a young man, I was part of the Reagan Revolution and the Tea Party movement. They talk about the resistance. They're the resistance. They're the problem. They're the dark force. We need to communicate with each other. We need to pass our arguments along one to the other. We need to do what the great patriots did. In the early 1700s, mid-1700s, into into the 1800s. That's what we need to do. We need to rekindle the American spirit. So that when our kids go into the classroom, or when our kids go to colleges, or when we send politicians to our state capitals or, or the national capital, when we go into Hollywood, our kids do, or when we go into other areas of life, it is we who are pressing the case. Who It is we who are making the case. And I want that to begin right here. That's the purpose of Unfreedom of the Press. That's the purpose of that book. I'm very anxious, as you can tell, to get it out. Because the hour is late. The hour is late. But we cannot have a free republic if we do not have a truly free press. Instead, we have a press that intimidates that threatens, that extinguishes debate. They propagandize. They self-promote. They create pseudo-events. They play favorites. Anyway, that's where I'm coming from. I hope you'll join me. I can't do a movement on my own, you know. I can't do it by myself. It's going to take all of you Levinites, and you've done it before. Over all the years I've been on radio, it's you. It's you. Reaganites. Tea Party activists. Originalists. Trumpites. You're the ones. You're the same ones, time in and time out. Who are the bulwark of this country. We need to do it one more time. Will you join me? One more time. Will you join me? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, it wasn't that long ago when I wrote the Liberty Amendments, which helped spur this Convention of States movement, Article 5 of the Constitution. Most people don't even know what it was. I originally started that book writing against it. And then when you do enough scholarship, you realize that's the wrong position. And I couldn't be a stronger advocate for it. We're still here, folks. We're still breathing. We're still kicking. But we're up against it. And we need to push harder. And we will. I have faith in you Levinites out there. I really do. I have faith in you. We can't always be on defense. 
I don't like being on defense, do you? So we need to take it to them. We're going to take it to the mass media. Not because we don't believe in the free press, but because we do. And that belongs to us, and we seek to protect it. We seek to protect the First Amendment and the rest of the Constitution. And all the other amendments, too. The ones that they don't like. It's a free press. That's what we're all about. Freedom of speech. You know, this Washington correspondence dinner. It's really a perfect spectacle, isn't it? When C-SPAN runs it or some of the other channels run it, it's a perfect spectacle of what we're talking about. These people are completely out of touch. Completely out of touch. You know, in the media, you know who's really in touch? Those of us who are in talk radio, we're, we're the ones who are in touch. We open our microphones to everybody. We have call screeners, yes, so people don't curse, so racists don't come on the program, or anti-Semites, or we can try and stay on subject and so forth. But in terms of content, that's not why I have a call screener. That's not why I have a call screener. We believe in freedom of speech here. We believe in freedom of the press. Do you know how many press people we've asked to come on this program and won't come on this program? Right, Mr. Producer? They ignore him completely like Chuck Todd. Do you know how many progressive politicians we've asked to come on this show but won't come on this show? And yet they'll go on other shows. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because they know what you know. They know they'll be confronted in a substantive way and they'll have a hell of a difficult time explaining themselves. I'm not talking about embarrassing them, mocking them. I'm talking about a straight-up debate. They won't come on Levin TV. They won't come on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And they won't come on the radio show. They hide from me. They hide. That's fine. But we have no intention of hiding from them, do we? You know, you have people trying to control your lives and your future and the future for your children and your grandchildren. Most of you go to work every day or you're homemakers and you're busy and you're focused on your family and your faith. And these are good things. But there are other people who are focused on controlling you. And changing your lifestyle. And forcing you to do things that you may not want to do. And they build an army of supporters, an army of backers. Who are focused on controlling you and pushing you around and telling you what to do. Now they dress these things up in very, very appealing ways. Wouldn't you like free college and health care for everybody and so forth and so on. But this is tyranny's disguise. And I'm sick and tired of the media giving them voice. I'm sick and tired of the, of the media going point for them. I'm just fed up with it. I wouldn't normally write a book about the media, would I? But it had to be done. Somebody had to do it. All right, folks, lots more to cover, and we will. We'll move along. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Here's the way I figure this. Maybe I'm wrong. Time will tell. It's like a, almost like a military operation, but obviously without the violence. If we can bring our different forces together. And many of them overlap anyway. The Reaganites, Tea Party activists, the Convention of State activists, the Trump activists, and traditional conservatives. We can bring our grassroots together. We can inform ourselves about the media. Inform ourselves about what it means to have a free press. I think we have a shot at this. All of you who are activists, I'm one of you. I didn't start out on a radio career or a TV career. They just happened, quite frankly. I started out at a very young age in the Reagan administration. I had campaigned for Ronald Reagan when I was a very young man. I worked in his administration. I left his administration when it ended, and over time I worked at a place called Landmark Legal Foundation, which is a fantastic legal group. Became president. Now I'm chairman. We have a wonderful president there in Pete Hutchison. And then by happenstance, I moved into these other areas. But as a, uh, as a warrior for liberty, that has always been in my heart and soul, always. That's what my father taught me, that's what my mother taught me, and that's who I am. I'm just behind a microphone tonight, that's all. When I sit down and write a book, it's a very solitary thing. When I sit down and write a book, I think about you. I think about my audience, what I'm trying to convey, how I'm trying to convey it. What am I trying to get across? What am I doing here? I'm not just writing a book to rack up number one New York Times bestsellers. I don't need to do that anymore. I never needed to do that in the first place. These books will outlive me. They'll outlive you. They'll be around a long time, whether they're collecting dust somewhere or used to... uh, to keep a fire going in a fireplace? I have no idea. So I think about you in my audience. And I also think about those who gave their lives and put everything on the line to found this great nation. They had no idea how things would work out or if they'd work out. No idea. No idea. So... Really, that, that's what I keep in mind. You and them. You and them. And anybody who's read any of my books, that's, you, you can tell, I hope, that I'm very earnest about what I write and what I say. It's not a gimmick with me. It's not a game. We have fun. We can be entertaining. But I am, as they say, serious as a heart attack. That's the bottom line. There's too much at stake. And we all have a very little little bit of time on this planet and trust me when I tell you in the last six months that has really proven itself for me to be true really the last six years 
So this is what we do as a relatively free people. We band together. We share ideas and concerns. We try and figure out what to do. But if we allow ourselves to be cowed by this media, if we allow ourselves to be put down by this media, if we allow ourselves to be turned off by this media and just go about our business and not pay attention to those who are trying to control us, change this country and the impact it will have on our children and grandchildren and generations yet born, then shame on us. And as I said, and I believe it, that the hour is late. You can see, you can see what's passing for candidates who wish to be the nominees for president of the United States of one of two major political parties. And you can also see, quite frankly, that Mitch McConnell and the Republican leadership in the United States Congress are simply incapable of dealing with it. In fact, they don't even want to deal with it. They go along with most of it. Oh, they're against socialism, of course, and yet and yet they pass laws and spend money like quasi-socialists, don't they? Or what I used to call neo-statists. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if we can pull all the activists together, and by activists, I don't mean that you have to actually physically be doing these different things. I mean activists in your workplace, with your family, with your friends, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your churches and synagogues. That's an activist. We will be doing what the great American colonists did. Spreading the word. We can bypass big media. Spread the word. Spread the word. And I want to help you spread the word. That's the point of unfreedom of the press. All right. Now. Where am I, Mr. Producer? Oh, here. Have you ever, and by the way, Hillsdale Colleges have been a sponsor on this program for many, many, many years. I know of no institution that is more committed to this country and to its founding principles and spreading the word to the youth in this country and now to everybody in this country than Hillsdale College. This is a tremendously important institution. It is totally private. It doesn't take any federal or state tax money. And they're constantly trying to destroy it, including the media. And it is led by one of the finest people I've ever met. Not just one of the best scholars I've ever met, but one of the finest people I've ever met. Dr. Larry Arn. It is a special, special place. And this is a college that seeks to do what our public schools, for the most part, and other colleges and universities reject. And that is, pass on the message of liberty. Pass on the me- message of the republic. Be proud of what's been created here. Be proud of what's been established here. And so as a service to the country, Hillsdale has free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you too. And getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can start learning whenever you like. Doesn't matter how long you've been out of high school. Doesn't matter how long you've been out of college. It's really quite compelling. 
and you and your family can take these courses. Don't worry, you're not getting grades. But visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Go there right now, and you'll be on your way to a rich and meaningful education. Now, they change their pages, so this may not be available to you for some time once they pull it down and replace it with something else. So I want to encourage you to go there right away and start expanding your knowledge base. I do this every day. People, oh, you're so smart, Mark. Let me tell you. I never stop learning. Never. Register today for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, President of the United States today. President of the United States today says, uh, hey, look, you sanctuary cities, we'll supply you with illegal aliens. You know, it's just like William Barr the other day states a fact, a truism, that the Trump campaign was spied on. It is a fact. And William Barr comes under a vicious assault. You wouldn't even recognize him after the character smears by these mental midgets in the, in the media. The same ones who, atta- they sit there, wait to attack the president, to fact check the president. And they pat each other on the back about how swell they are. Can you imagine how much even more successful this president would be if the media wasn't trying to cripple him? If the Democrats weren't trying to cripple him? I don't mean they shouldn't question him or challenge him, but try to destroy him. Can you imagine what a stronger country we would be? But they don't care about that. It's about them. So here's the president today. Cut three. Go. If we had the wall, people wouldn't be coming up. Mexico is now apprehending and bringing back to the various countries that we're talking about. Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador. They're bringing people back to those countries. Colombia, to a certain extent. And they're going back to those countries. But uh, we could fix that in so fast if the Democrats would agree. But if they don't agree, we let's, might just, as- let's just stop there. So this is what the media uh, pretend is not happening. When the president and I and others talk about the open border Democrats, well, they don't actually favor open borders. No, they lie. They won't lift a finger to secure the border. They won't lift a finger. They're full of hot air. They're gas bags. Go ahead. They say they want will bring the illegal Really, you call them the illegals. I call them the illegals. They came across the border illegally. We'll bring them to sanctuary city areas and uh, let that particular area take care of it, whether it's a state or whatever it might be. California certainly is always saying, oh, we want more people. And they want more people in their sanctuary cities. Well, we'll give them more people. We can give them a lot. We can give them an unlimited supply. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. The left lies. They're liars. They want the votes. Eventually, when people get amnesty and then get citizenship and then vote, they want the votes, but they don't want to live among these people. Just like the felons. They want the felons to vote. Bernie Sanders wants people actually in prison to vote, but they don't want to be around or live among these people. Where does Bernie Sanders live? He lives in a Scandinavian state, may I say. 
a Scandinavian state, if you will. Vermont. Where does Obama live? Well, he certainly doesn't live among the people that he claims to represent. Kamala Harris, same thing. Chuck Schumer, same thing. I could go on and on and on, but why should I? President of the United States talks a lot of common sense. Now, the Democrats are at a retreat in Leesburg, Virginia. It's Lansdowne, they call it. Not too far from uh, the bunker, I might add. And when I heard they were there, I I really had thoughts about taking my uh, Levin TV camera crew over there and greeting them and saying hello. But I knew the uh, the hotel there. I wouldn't wouldn't much uh, permit that. I just thought it would be hilarious. And this is a pretty swanky place they're at, a resort. And they have wonderful breakfast, uh, breakfasts there, buffets. So the Democrats never want for anything. And so Nancy Pelosi shows herself to respond to the President of the United States. Cut four, go. I don't know anything about it, but again, it's just another uh, notion uh, that is unworthy of the presidency of the United States and disrespectful of the challenges that we face. What is unworthy of the presidency of the United States and disrespectful of the challenges we face as a country? What are they talking about? What are they talking about? What is she talking about? He's speaking the truth. Go ahead. As a country, as a people, to address who we are, a nation of immigrants. I don't think we're not a a nation of immigrants. We're a nation of citizens. A nation is a nation of citizens. Now, let's follow Nancy Pelosi to the logical end. We're a nation of immigrants. Does that mean we're a nation also of people who want to be immigrants in the United States? Apparently so. Because we have federal Obama judges, and that's what we'll call them, federal Obama judges, who actually project due process and administrative rights externally, outside of our own borders, outside of our own territory. This is brand new. This is brand new. So my question to Nancy Pelosi, and she'll never allow me to ask her directly, would be, what do you mean by immigrants? Somebody who puts their foot in the country, legally or illegally, or somebody who is wanting to put their foot in the country? What exactly are you talking about? And why do you keep calling us a nation of immigrants? There's no nation that's a nation of immigrants. Why do we allow this fortune cookie type labeling to take place, ladies and gentlemen? We are a nation of citizens. We are the citizenry. We own the country, not foreigners. We own the country. People who want to come here follow our rules, just like we have to follow their rules when we go or are in their country. These representatives of ours are supposed to represent us, the American citizen. The government exists to represent us, the American citizen. This is basic stuff. We are not a nation of immigrants. Many of our citizens, obviously, come from immigration. But we're not a nation of immigrants. We are a nation of citizens. If you want to belong to this country, you become a citizen. 
You have to pass a test. You have to do certain things. Are we a nation of illegal immigrants? Is that what we are now? Do not accept this idiocy, this insanity. Just because they'll call you names, they'll call you things that you're not. They'll call you things that will cause you to cringe. They seek to silence you. They seek to marginalize you. We need to be strong and oppose this. We're not talking about race or religion or or genitalia or anything of the sort. Let's get our language right. There is no damnation of immigrants. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Thinkers of our time and all time, really, in the next hour, the great Dr. Thomas Sowell, who I have enormous respect for. You know, folks, admit it, you think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. Well, it does happen to other people, but it can also happen to you. These people want your data, too. They want your financial information, and they can grab your passwords, your credit card details, stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi. For examples, that's one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. And when you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, you might as well, as we like to say, put that password information and credit card information on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I decided to take action. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. It's the best, bar none. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public address. Turning on ExpressVPN protection takes a click. That's it. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. For less than 7 bucks a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. Expressvpn.com slash mark. Expressvpn.com slash mark. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. In about 30 minutes, Dr. Thomas Sowell is scheduled to be on the program. There's an interesting little back and forth between Chuck Todd and Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo uh, was interviewed by, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter. They did this huge puff piece, and the guy drops the F-bomb three, four times, and the S-bomb two, three times. I'm thinking to myself, you know what, Chris? You're kind of a lowlife, really. I mean, you're talking to a reporter, that's how you talk? You even talk that way in front of your family? 
Well, what do you expect? His brother supports infanticide, I guess. And he took a shot at Chuck Todd. Everyone takes a shot at Chuck Todd, and everyone should. He's a moron. And uh, Chris Cuomo was trying to build up Jake Tapper. Now, that's, that's quite a lift. That's quite tough to do. So now there's kind of a circle. What should I say? So you have these jerks in a circle. Let me put it that way. What were you saying, Mr. Producer? A roundabout. Yes, a round, we have a roundabout with uh, with uh, with uh, Chuckles Todd and uh, Chris Cuomo. And they're on the morning show on WABC, two of my buddies, Bernie and Sid, and they have a great show, by the way. And he goes something like this today. Cut 15, go. You know, last year you get into this big scrap and this big nonsense with another one of our friends, Sean Hannity. This week, you're bowling with Chris Cuomo. What the hell is going on with What am I doing with Chris Cuomo? I have no idea. I don't know the guy. I've met him once. I... I, I I don't know who he, I don't I don't know much about him. I'm not kidding. I have no idea where this guy's coming from. No, no I was no. only I was only kidding. But, I mean, obviously you no, got no. you, you I, got sideswiped. He, he he took a shot at you out of left field, yeah. which was uh, inexplicable to even to us. I mean, I, I understand why he's trying to promote Jake Tapper and maybe State of the Union over Meet the Press, but. And he, he almost did make it sound like it was it was personal, and you guys have had zero history, right? Zero. None. None. I mean, look, it, I, I just read it as somebody who wanted to defend the fact that nobody in broadcast television wanted to hire him, I guess. Or wow. I don't, Go ahead, boys. Made it. He, was, he was awfully defensive, so he took shots at other people. I'm like, dude, like, what are you disparaging other, you know, you're going to promote somebody, promote somebody. You don't have to disparage somebody at the same time. These are the children that run your media. These are the ch- They are children. They're immature uh, egomaniacs, narcissists, who know very little of substance. So there they are, fighting with each other, which is kind of cool, I think. And Sid and Bernie are good at that, as they say. Great, great show. Kamala Harris. You may remember her. She was in Iowa yesterday. Or it's Kamala or Kamala, Kamala Harris. And uh, did you know she's a gun owner? You know why she owns a gun? For her personal safety. Listen to this. Cut 14. Go. I am a gun owner. Um, and um, I own a gun for probably the reason that a lot of people do for personal safety. Um, I was a career prosecutor. <laughs> um, and in terms of gun policy, though, I think that, that for too long and still today, we are being offered a false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. Um, it's a false choice. And it is, I believe, a false choice. Hold on now. Uh, as I recall, uh, Diane Frankenfeinstein wanted to take a whole lot of guns away. She wanted to make... Over 200, maybe it was 300 guns, illegal to purchase. Now, that's taking guns away. That's taking my choice away because of the way they look. Because of the way they look. Go ahead. 
from leaders who must recognize and agree that there are some practical solutions to what is a clear problem in our country. And part of the practical solution is to agree that we need smart gun safety laws. That's it. We need smart gun safety laws. That'll fix it. The irrationality here is just uh, beyond dispute. Um, You'll have all kinds of gun laws. And people will still kill people with guns. You know, we, we, have, we have laws in every corner of this country that makes it a capital offense to kill somebody. And we have different degrees of criminality for murder, depending on the circumstances. But if you kill somebody, it's a crime unless it's absolute self-defense. So we do have that, and that doesn't seem to stop everybody. It doesn't seem to stop everybody. I don't know why. Doesn't seem to stop everybody. So now you're telling me, even though that doesn't seem to stop everybody, some states a death penalty, some states just a long, long sentence and so forth, that's somehow making it illegal to own a particular weapon, that, that will help fix the situation. And then when you confront them with that, they say, we're not saying it's a perfect solution. Then when you bring up the Constitution, unlike, of course, freedom of the press, which they'll defend in, uh, in the abstract, which they undermine in reality, when they talk about the Second Amendment, then they misquote it to you. Talk, it's a militia, a militia. And then about, what, seven, eight years ago, I tried to educate everybody on what that meant. Do the gun grabbers even understand why the militia part of the Second Amendment is in there? A well-regulated militia. These were state militia. Armed state militia. There were armed, just in case, among other things, the federal government became tyrannical. They don't even understand what they're called. It's like the part of the three-fifths of person in the Constitution. It's the North that pushed for that in order to reduce the number of seats the South would have in the House of Representatives when the seats are apportioned. It's the North that argued against slavery and said, well, you can't count slaves for the purpose of getting seats in the House of Representatives when you treat them like property. And so they agreed to the three-fifths rule. It wasn't that slaves were three-fifths of a human being. It was an effort by the North to reduce the South's influence in the federal government and specifically the House of Representatives. I don't care how many times I explain it. The people who are corrupt of mind and corrupt of heart, the leftists, they'll continue to lie about it. It's like the Emoluments Clause. The Emoluments Clause has nothing to do with an individual who's involved in commerce, owning a bunch of businesses, where foreign dignitaries or diplomats use those businesses, say a hotel in Washington, D.C., to conduct their business. That doesn't violate the Emoluments Clause, which addresses a concern, a legitimate concern at the time, that a president or senior officials not take appointments and get titles from foreign governments so they have... Not dual loyalty. They have single loyalty to their own country. 
And furthermore, that they wouldn't get paid off, that they wouldn't be in the salary of or receive money from foreign governments or their surrogates. That has nothing to do with the Trump hotel. And yet you have Obama judges who are willing to entertain these arguments, even though the parties don't even have standing. Even though they don't even have standing. They hate the Constitution and they don't even understand it to begin with, do they? So she owns a gun for her own personal safety. You know, she was a prosecutor. Well, so what? There's a lot of people who live in dangerous places who want to own a gun to protect themselves. And they're not all gang members and they're not all drug addicts. They're honorable, hardworking American citizens who live in tough neighborhoods. And then there's others who don't live in tough neighborhoods who still want guns just in case to protect themselves or target shoot or whatever. But I've never understood the logic. I, it, because, you know why? Because there is no logic. It's like so much coming from the left. It's all knee-jerk. It's emotion. Sounds good. And I'll be right back. Mark in. You know what's annoying? As a matter of fact... The fact that break-ins still happen all the time. Do you know why break-ins happen all the time? Because many of you don't have the proper security system. Matter of fact, many of you don't have a security system at all. Now, that's not good. It's important to protect your home and your family. That's why I always recommend getting the best security system. The best security system is Simply Safe Home Security. It's my favorite by far. And uh, it's a fantastic protection for your home that keeps working if the power goes out, if the Wi-Fi goes down, or even if a burglar smashes the entire keypad. And they have some of the fastest response times in the industry, ready to send help 24-7 if there's an emergency. So maybe it's no surprise that Simply Safe is the top choice security system for CNET, PC, MAG, and more than 3 million of us, right? Those of you who haven't gotten it yet, I wouldn't wait anymore. Go to simplysafemark.com to learn more about Simply Safe. Order today to get free shipping on your system as well as a 60-day money back guarantee. You know it is great. You decide. You decide what devices you want in your home. How many contacts you want? How many alarms you want? Where you want them? How many window contacts and so on. you decide. And then you don't drill holes. They actually stick to the place where you put them. It's cutting-edge technology. It's really the best. Now, order today. You'll get free shipping on your system as well as 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com. All right. I don't believe we've taken a single call today, have we, Mr. Producer? All right, so don't blow it. Joe, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go. Mark, I always consider it the utmost of privileges to speak with you. How are you tonight? Thank you, my friend. I'm good. Thank you. Mark, I know you know the answer to this question, but I think it's a question that should be thrown out there. Is it true or false? No. Oh. No. But I think it's a question we should bombard the media with. Yeah. What political party would ever consider given the right to vote to an illegal immigrant 
or someone who's incarcerated in prison? What, what, what kind of quality of vote are they looking for? What are you're they right. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, we know. I mean, that felons have done all kinds of stuff, right? You're a cop, right? No, no, no. I'm a realtor. All right, but a realtor. All right, close. Uh, not really. But felons have done all sorts of these horrendous things, horrific things. And they shouldn't be able to vote. They have they have dismissed themselves from the civil society. That's why they're behind bars. But the Democrats will get votes wherever they can, whether it's a graveyard, whether it's a federal or state or local prison, uh, whether it's three or four votes, whether it's an illegal land, doesn't matter. And if you say, wait a minute, we got to clean this up, they'll say, oh, you're racist. You're suppressing the vote. When in fact, it is they they are suppressing the vote. They're canceling your vote. Mark, President Trump did his prison reform. And I don't think he would ever support anything like that. For no, he wouldn't. Reason. And I just think what that's what you, you know, you throw that <clears throat> question out there. Who would give what kind of quality of vote are they trying to acquire here? Well, we know. Anyway, Joe, thanks for your call, buddy. By the way, the Phillies better get a little better on the pitching side, I would say. I mean, the, the, I mean, it was unbelievable. 15 to 1. What the hell is that all about? Anyway, Bob, Chicago, Illinois on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, Bob. All right, kill it, whatever it is. Guy's having a grand old time. He's sitting in his mother's basement. Happy hour, all by himself. Julia in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, how are you? Hi, Mark. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you. I can't wait to read your book, The Unfreedom of the Press. Thank you. I know know you're going to like it. I found a way this week to bypass the unfree digital press. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to share that with your listeners. Go for it. It all started when I heard you play the clip of Candace Owens slaying it in Congress this Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. I wanted to listen to it again. And I went to Google and typed in, you know, Candace Owens slays it in Congress. And the only thing that came up on pages one and two was CNN playing the out-of-context clip of her making it sound like she was defending Hitler. And so I thought, okay, well, here's this famous... We're going to run out of time, so go for it. So instead of Google, I typed in DuckDuckGo. Oh, yes. DuckDuckGo, and lo and behold, there it was, right? Number one. DuckDuckGo is a great search site. uh, I try to use it as much as I can. My wife uses it exclusively. To anybody wanting to do an honest search of information. You're right. DuckDuckGo, you're right. All right, Julia, thank you for your call, my friend. Martin, Gainesville, Florida, the great WSKY. Go. Mark, holy cow, man. The challenge of listening to your excellent Friday shows is to stay on point because you have so many lucid thoughts and comments. However, I've done that, and despite that, I'm going (laughs) to abandon it to say this. I'm an older dad. I've got a young daughter who's a senior in high school. My son's a freshman. And uh, I've been talking about the things that you discuss and the way that you speak and the ideas that you put forth with them since they were very young. And I'm very, very proud to say that I've got two very solid Levinites oh, that's great. in the camp. They're in the camp. That's and wonderful. And I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you. And, and although I do sleep on Bowling Branch sheets, I do not have yet a copy of any of your books, but I am going to be Pre-ordering. All right, Martin, I'll tell you what. I'm going to get you a copy of my new book when it comes out on May 21, Unfreedom of the Press. So don't hang up, and I will sign them as well. So don't hang up. 
Thank you. You know, we're blessed, too. We got uh, conservative kids and kids who think for themselves, who are independent and so forth. And we all have an obligation, I feel, to teach them these things uh, apart from what the schools do. In fact, in many ways, in lieu of what the schools do. Mo, Edgewater, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, how you doing, Marcus? Good to talk to you again. Thank you. All right, all right. Now, the one thing that I always get tired of, and I think you'll agree with me, Marcus, how Republicans, they're conducting interviews with the, the so-called free press, and they have to start identifying them for what they are. They are a hostile press. They have to start conducting less interviews and more debates with these basically Democratic activists, what they are. The facts and the laws are on their side. In every single interview I see with these Republicans, they're getting walked all over and stomped on by these so-called anchors that are activists. It's disgusting. What they should be doing is approaching every interview and to, to expose them for what they are. You know, one thing as well, like with, with these White House press briefings, I think with, with Homeland Security, for example, what they should do is get their best spokesperson and go after each and every network that's pushing out lies about what's happening on this border, for example. Well, we don't want the government going after them, but you and I and these politicians should be calling them the unfree press and make it abundantly clear we're the ones that support a free press. And that's not them. They're not a free press. They're an unfree press. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the founding fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Well, that's a little embarrassing when you have a guest like Tom Saul. Thomas Saul, how are you, sir? Fine, thank you. Well, you've updated a tremendous book that was already tremendous, Discrimination and Disparities. Let's get into this because we only have a limited amount of time. And I, I went through this book again. I went through it the first time, of course. But, but some of this really is pertinent to it. The use of numbers to deceive. We hear this all the time. What are you talking about? Well, there are so many examples of it. I hardly know where, where to start. Uh, one of the things, for example, uh, many of the people are saying, you know, how the top 10% of income earners in America are this oligarchy, you see, who's lording it over all the rest of us. Well, it so happens that... Uh, t- 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 uh, just over half of all Americans will be in the top 10% uh, at some point in their lives. So what they're leaving out of all these numbers is turnover. Uh, one of the, the examples that uh, came out since the first edition, where internal revenue d- data showed that over a 23-year period, uh, there were 4,584 people in the so-called top 400, that uh, uh, most of those people were in their one year uh, out of more than two decades. And so we're not talking about a turnover, we're t- uh, about a, an oligarchy. We're talking about an ever-changing mix of people. This whole thing about castes and class, this this, uh, this Marxist notion, and, and that's what it is, it really is, it, it really is a mainstay now of the Democrat Party and the media, isn't it? It, it is, and, and it, it's uh, painfully impo- uh, mistaken. Because uh, most of us, most Americans, don't stay in the same quintile of income for, for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're talking about a constantly churning mixture of people as you start out at the bottom and go on up to whatever your, the top is in your, in your field. Uh, and yet it's spoken of as this, there's this fixed number of people there. And that one implicit assumption uh, just turns even accurate statistics into something very misleading. So we have an entire ideology built on this, really. And you hear it with the Democrats who want to be president of the United States, led by Bernie Sanders. So their, their entire assumption is fallacious, right? Absolutely. And yet it's appealing. Why is that? People love to believe that if others are better off than they are, it's because the others did something illegitimate and that they are therefore entitled to be compensated for the wrong that was done to them. Mm-hmm. And then you, you point out it's even worse, the, the abuse of words and the abuse of language, and yet they kind of overlap, don't they? They do. And, and what is this abuse of words and this abuse of language? Well, I mean, the, the, all, for example, uh, the, when, when people, when intellectuals talk about uh, eras of change, they only mean those the narrow set of changes they're interested in. And I have a long passage in there about the 1920s, which is never considered an era of change. It's considered an era of either stagnation or retrogression. And yet in the 1920s, that was the first decade when most Americans had electric lights. It was the first decade when the most Americans had automobiles. Uh, it was the first decade when you had uh, commercial air travel. It was the first decade when there was radio. I mean, you could go through the whole list, and yet when you read the histories, including one that uh, uh, cost a, a history textbook that's very famous and cost $160, and they miss everything in the 20s uh, and, and depict it as being the opposite of what it was. And don't many of these same people and institutions uh, attack the Industrial Revolution? Of all things, yes, yes, and 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 look how Americans luxuriate in so many things, and I just feel there's a complete disconnect between the knowledge of how we get these things, and uh, and the propaganda we hear today. Well, pe- people take it for granted that these things sort of more or less happen automatically, so they don't need, need to concern themselves about, about the production of these things. Now, those of us who are old enough know that within our own lifetime. Things that just revolutionized. I mean, uh, uh, when I was born, most Americans had no refrigerators. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so many other things were so different. But especially among the young, when all they know is what they've been told in school, and they have no idea of people desperately seeking to escape, for example, from communism. Uh, right this very t- this very time. They have, many seem to be oblivious to what has happened in Venezuela under socialism. The socialism they talk about is the socialism of theory, which is beautiful. I mean, I, I was a Marxist when I was a young man. Uh, it's only as I began to study facts that suddenly it wasn't so beautiful. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by sorting and unsorting people? That people do not tend to be randomly distributed in, in any activity or on almost anything that you can do. And, and there are tons of uh, uh, examples of that. But what, what's remarkable to me is that people who say that uh, if various groups aren't represented in proportion to their percentages in the population, there's something wrong. And no one asks them the question, you name me one country 
anywhere in the world, anywhere in recorded history going back thousands of years, where groups were represented proportionally in, in various activities, uh, uh, where, where there was free competition. And I've never been able to find one. Because people really don't operate that way, do they? They, For all the talk about groups and ethnicity and this and the the fact is people are people. They operate out of their own individual interests, whether they claim otherwise. Uh, absolutely. And even within the same family, you know, the, the firstborn typically has a higher IQ and other, and other advantages that, that you could go into a great length. Uh, so if, if, if people born to the same parents and raised under the same roof are not the same, why are we assuming that others are going to be the same? Social vision, you say, human consequences. Uh, this, this would sort of be what we're hearing from the Democrats who are running for office, that all this talk about free this and free that kind of requires a police state, doesn't it? It does. And I think that's the thing that, that many of them do not want to face up to. I don't think that most of them want to establish a police state. But in the course of trying to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish, there's no other way, way to go. You know, I hope this comes out right when I'm about to say to you, because it's meant as absolute unadulterated praise. You know, I miss Milton Friedman. Don't you miss Milton oh, Friedman? My heavens, yes. He was and my, I, I, my mentor. He was your mentor, and I remember you being on uh, on firing line repeatedly. I miss Bill Buckley, don't you? Oh, yes, yes. Well, I just want you to know, when the day comes, and I hope it's a long way off, we're going to miss you too, Dr. Saul. Well, thank you very much. I just want you to know uh, the impact you've had on my life and the life of so many other people. I appreciate that very much. Now, let me ask you another question. I see what's going on on these college campuses. You used to work on college campuses. I see the violence. I see the BDS movement. I see a conservative gets up to speak, and they're they're physically attacked. I mean, uh, it's like the 1960s all over again, isn't it? It is. The irony is, when I went to college, it was during the height of the McCarthy era, and I was openly a Marxist. I never encountered anything resembling the kind of hostility uh, that the uh, and threats that the conservatives today find on elite college campuses. And administrators don't seem to know what to do about it. They're so so cowardly. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. You're, you're being kind when you say they don't know what to do. <laughs> not, they are not going to do it. Mm. I mean, I, I, the idea, and, and the faculty either. The idea that tenure enables you to be uh, independent and free is utter nonsense. Do you think that the, the, the faculty today as an aggregate is worse than the faculty of bygone eras? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the phrase that used to be used was, we're here to teach you how to think, not what to think. Mm-hmm. Well, today, they are there to teach you what to think, and, and, and you better not think anything different from that. You know, you uh, in your book, you dedicate your book to a very dear friend of yours, Professor Walter Williams. Yes. How did you guys come to know each other? Well, uh, in, we independently arrived at the same ideas. Some people are constantly trying to say that, that uh, I persuaded him or some other person or whatnot. No, the very reason we came together is that someone said, you know, Walter, there's another guy saying the kind of stuff you're saying. And that's how we got together. 
He was he was a, a graduate student working on his PhD at uh, UCLA when I was teaching summer school at UCLA, and that's how we got together. And how long ago is that? That was 1969. That's my gosh, half a century. It's a long time ago, and but look at the good that you two have done. I mean, I mean, when people want to know about economics and philosophy. They talk about Tom Saul. They talk about Walter Williams. I'm quite serious about this. And, you know, I very much wanted you on my Sunday show, but I know you can't travel across the country. But I got to figure this out somehow because you're too important not to have on the show. I appreciate that. All right. I want to thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. And we, we appreciate you, sir. Thank you. All right. God bless. Remarkable mind. Remarkable man, really. Truly. There's no doubt that Americans are having a hard time affording their prescription drugs. But while Democrats blame drug companies, they ignore that patients are being denied discounts that are kept by middlemen. That's why I've been telling you about pharmacy benefit managers, or PBMs, and why they intend to keep prescription drug costs artificially high. Now, Congress is investigating this issue. Grassley, head of the Senate Finance Committee, brought in some CEOs of the largest PBMs to shine a light on their industry. It wasn't hard to round them up. There's three. <laughs> there's basically three of them that control 85% of the market. Just three companies. So much for competition to drive down prices. Now, I'm glad Grassley's asking tough questions because I don't know what these people do either. Now, President Trump is willing to expose them too uh, and their hidden drug rebate scheme, and uh, this is a huge problem. Those rebates are intended for senior citizens, they're intended for the end user. And he wants the discounts to go to those folks at the pharmacy counter. And I couldn't agree more, which is why I've been talking about for several months now uh, these PPMs. Here's what I want you to do. Go to TrueHealthCareFacts.com, TrueHealthCareFacts.com. Check out the site and get the facts. TrueHealthCareFacts.com. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's go to Andrew, Stanhope, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Thomas Sowell, he and yourself are two of my heroes and role models, and it's just a coincidence. I didn't know he was going to be on your show. I want uh, to talk he's about He's terrific. <laughs> it was from his book, I think I first learned the lie that the Democrats tell about the two-thirds of a person, which is exactly the opposite of racism. Three-fifths. Three-fifths. Yep. It was to... Yeah, it was to stop the Democrats from gaining more political electoral power, which they wanted to continue to enslave blacks, where the Republicans were the abolitionist party. And they knew there was a movement towards freedom, which was the Republicans. So that's how they were insidiously trying to count blacks so they could enslave them. So that's a a mega. So why, why, why do the left, and I include the media, continue to lie about this? Because it trashes the country. That's why. Right. They're desperate. And uh, Lyndon they, they even claim that the Electoral College is a result of slavery. The Electoral College had absolutely nothing to do with slavery. Like you point out, if anything, it's the opposite. It was to oppose the uh, southern power to continue to enslave. And lastly, too, uh, Lyndon Johnson in the modern times, he was quoted as saying if he could take the black father out of the home, 
and get the woman dependent on government who'll get the black vote for a hundred. I, I don't I don't know the source of that. Thanks for your call, Andrew. I don't know the source of that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but I'm not aware of it. So let us continue. Trisha, Tenafly, New Jersey. How are you? Oh, hi, Marcus. Thank you for taking my call. You I bet. I had a, a, a really great idea, and probably a lot of people do, too. You know about President Trump wanting to send the illegal aliens to sanctuary cities. And my thought was to send them all to Hawaii and put them all on a no-fly list, because you know how you know the people that are running Hawaii feel about Donald Trump. I do what now? Send them to Hawaii and do what? I couldn't hear send them to Hawaii and put them on a no-fly list. So it'd be kind of like an Alcatraz. No, 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 no. All right. Thanks for your call. We get a little too clever and uh, it doesn't come across very well. No, but there's no reason they cannot go to sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities say they want them. So good. America in your honor. Here we go.
10 p.m. Eastern. Life, Liberty, and Levin. And please head over to Amazon.com and order your pre-order copy of Unfreedom of the Press. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and all law enforcement. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, Mom. And good night, Dad. God bless you all, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful weekend. And I'll see you on Monday.